Welcome, everyone, to a summer vacation edition of Dungeons and Diapers. The sun is shining. The heat is beating down. There's a high level of humidity in the air. Uh, and your, your hosts with the mosts, Crofton and Ryan, are enjoying some level of vacation. And I actually don't know that for sure about Ryan. We'll find out in a second. But I definitely know it about me. So by proxy, I'm inferring that the same is true of Ryan. Either way, we're going to be talking about vacation stuff today on a very special episode of Dungeons & Diapers. Welcome to my co-host, Ryan Murphy. I am Crofton Steers. Let's do it. Ryan, how are you? Good. Um, I am on. I like. Here's the thing. I I, I guess knew I'm, it. I knew it. You're well, on vacation. Yeah, I, I You're am on, on vacation. vacation. I am on vacation. Yes. But is it? So here's the thing. I'm on vacation, but I'm I'm at home. Uh, I took time off to basically uh, make sure the kids had an adult around. That's what I'm doing too. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, it, I mean, some days aren't vacations. It, it is what you make of it. And I think like, you know, we've had a, we've had some good days, uh, and we've had some days where the kids are just like really not happy about, about being on vacation. They're not, they're not, they don't want to go back to school, but they are bored. They say they're bored. So, um, I say like, well, we can find something to do or we can get you back to school early, whatever. No, no, no. Don't want to go back to school. We're on vacation. Well, if we're they vacation. ever call your bluff on that, you're screwed. Wow. Because they're like, yeah, you know what, Dad? This sucks so bad. We do want to go back to school <laughs> early. And you're like, well, you know what? I can't I can't do that. <laughs> they well, would be like, well. And then you just feel horrible. I, I will say, and I put in the show notes, I'm calling it Daddy Daycare or day, Daddy Day Camp. But right now, uh, you know, I'm in – like this week, it's me and the girls – and then next week and the week after, we are on like family vacation. We're traveling. We're doing stuff. And then the last week, I'm off four weeks. It's insane. Four weeks. The last week, I'm just taking care of my eldest. And I'm actually really looking forward to that week because there's a lot of fun stuff that we can do that we can't necessarily do with the with the younger set. But uh, yeah, it's fun. We'll talk about it. When we go in the show, like what have we been doing this week? Uh, be be curious. What do you in the the dog days of August and the big heat and all of this? I recognize that I'm pretty fortunate. I I have some 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 good stuff that just serendipitous, serendipitously fell on my lap uh, on my lap. But I'll talk a bit about that later. But Ryan, knowing that we have a penchant for the gab, uh, a, a gift of the talks, if you will. Um, let us go right into the dungeons and uh, talk about the geekery that makes us happy. Happy, happily. I don't even know what I'm saying, Ryan. You go first. What do you got going on? Sure, uh, Crofton. Have you ever heard of uh, this actor named Nicholas Cage? Uh, yes, uh, Ryan. I have heard very much of this young man, Nicholas Cage. Uh, and uh, it is funny though. Like everybody has, you know, he's reached this urban legend sort of status as an actor almost, but uh, everybody has that moment where Nicolas Cage entered their life. For me, and, and you know, he's been acting for, for, for many, many years in many different films, but he's, his career has had arcs. And, and based on your age and stuff, you may have like jumped on the Nicolas Cage train at different times. And I can tell you my time was when he was nominated for Leaving Las Vegas. And I was like, who is this guy? 
I have like no idea who he was. And at that time he had done Moonstruck, Raising Arizona. He'd done all these movies that were, you know, very well received. He was, he was, uh, you know, related to Francis Ford Coppola, you know, like definitely, you know, well-known in the Hollywood set, but he wasn't on my radar. And then that was, he was the quintessential actor who was in the, uh, a sort of a critically acclaimed film that then turned that into like big money, box office movies so that's when it was just like he did the rock con air uh you know like there's a bunch of these movies that all face off all came around the same time and that's when i was like that's when i tuned in to nicholas cage uh so i missed his first act but from his second act onwards i've been very much uh familiar with this gentleman has he done something of interest lately ryan yeah Yes, he has. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, on that note, I, I think where I uh, first became familiar with Nicolas Cage, it was it was probably Con Air and uh, Face Off. And I think that probably stemmed from, you know, when we were kids, uh, my older brother, uh, Kyle, he would we would. So we lived in we lived in the middle of nowhere and uh, my dad worked in town and there were multiple blockbusters in town. And what we would do is we would we would call the blockbuster and we would say, okay, let's put these like seven, I guess you could, if you rented within a genre, you could rent like seven films for seven bucks or, or something. It was ridiculous. So we would basically like, you know, get these movies, put them on layaway and say, yep, yeah. you know, uh, we wouldn't say, you know, my dad's going to pick them up. We'd give them my dad's name and he would go pick them up at the end of the day at work. And we'd have a weekend of these, these movies. And I'm pretty sure like Con Air and Face Off and other films of that time were in those stacks. And I think that's where I became familiar with with Nick Cage. And then obviously you get into the more family, you know, popcorn films with National Treasure and whatnot. Uh, but yes, Nicolas Cage has done something recent, and it's a movie called Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And I'm going to admit, I was skeptical about this movie, but I figured it's an action comedy. It might be a great fit uh, for a movie night with Ashley. And turns out it was an, it was a it was a massive hit. We rented it on the Cineplex store and I, I had like a free coupon from uh, a combo. Uh, if you go to the movies and you buy a specific combo, it's like, hey, it comes with a free digital rental. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for coupons. So I had this one sort of uh, waiting for me. And I was like, ah, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, it'll probably be a movie we have to split over two nights. So like, got to make sure, you know, if you start a rental, you got 48 hours to finish it. Uh, which also sounds like a, a movie, but um, anyways, like Ash and I, we couldn't stop watching. We had, we actually stayed up late to finish it uh, because honestly, we we would normally not do that because the kids have us up between five thirty and six. So we really enjoyed it. That good, huh? Yeah. How long was the movie? Like, I know this is not a. No. It, I'm just curious because it's like, was it was it longer than usual? Was it it's, just like a two hour? And it's you, a two hour. It was two hours. I think we started it late. Like, here's the thing, you know, you always say, okay, like kids down at seven. Uh, but really that's like kids start to go to sleep at seven. Isabel usually takes a little bit longer, our youngest. So like by the time all said and done, it's like eight o'clock at best when we're all downstairs and we're like, okay, let's, let's watch some TV. But even then that's delayed further by, you know, oh, I forgot to check this or I forgot to get this done. And 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 again, I think we just got down a little later than we anticipated. But no, we really we really enjoyed it. And so the the basic premise of the film is basically, you know, Nicolas Cage, he plays a fictionalized version of himself and he's a struggling actor and he's trying to get work. And essentially, 
Um, he hits acting. I, I wouldn't even know if you'd call it like acting rock bottom, but he's getting like, he's not getting parts that he wanted. And one of the offers was you can get a million dollars if you show up at this rich dude's birthday party. And he's like, no way am I doing that. I'm, I'm not washed up yet. And, and he basically, he relents and ends up going on, on to this, uh, to this rich guy's house and, uh, for a birthday party. And then hilarity ensues from there. And, um, it is a very solid action comedy film where Nicolas Cage is playing himself, but very much like, you know, his tabloid versions like ratchet up to 11. And I mean, most actors like wouldn't do this for obvious reasons, but Nicolas Cage just leans into it so well and, and plays what I, I mean, I never really saw him like this. I just saw him as, you know, a normal actor, dude. But I mean, he, he does have his moments right in the public eye, but like in this film, like they really, he really leans into it and it is so good. Plus it's Pedro Pascal. You cannot go wrong um, with Pedro Pascal. He plays the, the rich dude who, who, uh, who basically pays Nicolas Cage to show up. It's so good. And I mean, I was having a conversation with friends of mine, like, like you could pair Pedro Pascal with anybody and it would just make the film. I think that's why like wonder woman 84 has like some good to it. Like that's a bad movie, but because Pedro Pascal's in it, it actually like, it brings it up a whole lot. Like he's fantastic in it. Um, Um, I'm just curious about the genesis of choosing to watch this movie because it, you say you rented it, correct? Yeah. You like paid money for it, but I overpaid for popcorn and I got a coupon. So like, let's be honest here. <laughs> like, okay. I'm just, my, my, my point I guess is this, is that if this movie had just come out or just come like straight to streaming services and, or, or like just come, come out on streaming services and you were like, Oh man, I got to see this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm renting him. But like, I have a hard enough time decide I've got Disney plus Amazon prime. And, and for our American listeners or, or listener, um, listeners, Disney, let's be, come on. Don't be, don't be like that. <laughs> so Disney, Disney plus has got in Canada. We don't have a Hulu or a lot of these things like only murders in the building. That's on Hulu is on Disney plus here. Like there's a lot of stuff that's on Disney plus. It's, it's even more premier service here than it is in the States. Um, and so I have, I have that Amazon prime and Netflix and like, I'll be like, I've got so many movies on there. I like, unless I really want to watch a movie, like I'm going to go on there and find a movie that I want to watch. Right. I'm not going to go out and rent or pay money for another movie. I've got all these movies I haven't watched unless of course I desperately wanted to see said movie, which in the case of a Marvel or a star Wars or whatever. And like, you seem to have undying love for Pedro Pascal and it might be that, but like, what was it? That made you guys, you're sitting on your couch being like, let's spend money on this Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like I said, I think that, oh, well, I, I did say I had the coupon and I was like, okay, what am I, what am I going to rent with this? And it's a movie that I had been eyeing for a while because again, it is like when we talk about movies, you list them out like, oh, Marvel movies, Star Wars. There's so many movies, but you know what's hard to come by? An actually good comedy movie. Like it's it like it, it's hard. It's hard to come by. Comedy television also very difficult to come by. It's kind of true, actually. Yeah, only murders in the building too. It's it's there. We're watching it. It's amazing. Every week is awesome. We're gonna talk about that as well. 
uh, later on. But like, that's the big thing for Ashley and I to watch a movie. We like to have that comedic angle. And I think the last film we watched that we really was surprised. We were surprised that we enjoyed it. It was um, and we also rented it with with this overpriced popcorn coupon. Um, it was the lost, the lost city. The lost city is Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt chatting. Right, right, right. Tatum. Yes. I, I saw trailers for that one. Yeah. Again, similar thing. Looking for a, com- we love watching movies, but we're looking for a comedy. It helps if there's action in it, but it doesn't need to have action. It can be like, as long as there's comedy in it, that's the kind of movies that, that Ashley and I really enjoy. And I would even put like Marvel, in there with it like some of the marvel films that come out they have that comedic angle so it's not like a really dry yeah, no, action for sure film. it it depends on the one in particular yes. you're absolutely right um it's funny that that sandra bullock Chan- channing tatum movie it really reminded me like in the trailers of a movie from another time like like uh, in the um early aughts late 90s uh you know, I always refer to 1999, which is one of the great years of cinema. It just so happens is the year that my wife and I first were dating. And uh, yeah, that we've been together a long time. I get it. Thank you. Hold the applause. Um, but uh, but we went to see every movie in theater that year, pretty much like crazy amounts uh, of movies that were in theaters that year. And so I, de- I definitely have a good recollection of what you know that those types of movies and this you know it would have fit well in that that sandra bullock channing tatum movie but in in our 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 current multiplex where now studios are trying to decide like is it going to uh streaming direct to streaming or is it going in theaters or is it going like how's it gonna be it feels like the movies that are destined for theaters now are either big budget blockbusters or they're like definitely Oscar bait prestige picks, you know, um, and so uh, so it is cool um, to see some movies break out of there, and I, I have an increased appetite for one for, for that type of movie. Like, and I think that's honestly Top Gun's. Uh, I know it's a it's a sequel, but made all that money. I think partly is people are looking for something different. And so I, you know, I, I can appreciate, even though Top, Top Gun is not a comedy to your thing, it is it is a lighter fare. Like you're looking at, in, at the core for lighter fare. One thing I, I will say, mashing all those things together, if you if you guys haven't watched them, you probably have. But the uh, the 21 uh, Jump Street movies um, with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, if you haven't seen those, they've got to be on some sort of streaming service, but they are super funny and really fun to watch. Yeah, I I think I watched those uh, around around launch, and yeah, you're right. Like it's a similar feel that that we're looking for, like a like a a comedy comedy something. And I mean, like I know Netflix um, has they're always adding movies. I find the Netflix original movies don't quite hit uh, as well as their original television. Like we're we just started, we're about halfway through uh, Umbrella Academy. Really enjoying it awesome stuff it's all their original tv stuff that we we are watching and there's less and less of it now but we are enjoying it but i think in terms of like the movies that are coming to streaming service yes like there's so much choice but like there's not a lot there's not there's not a lot of stuff that's like making us want to like have it jump the queue like marvel stuff sure when thor uh love and thunder comes to disney plus we'll probably watch it that you know that weekend you know uh we i think i've personally missed the boat on theaters i'll wait until it comes to disney plus which you know part of me is a little bummed about but honestly like it's it's been a 
it's it's been a it's been a busy summer and uh you know uh, we'll talk about it later but i guess i went and saw another film in theaters instead of thor <laughs> so uh but yeah like i think unbearable weight of massive talent just to wrap this up it's it is honestly like if you watch the trailer it can be like i don't know if this movie is for me i don't even think you have to like really like nicholas like if you don't know who nicholas cage is you can watch this film and be like oh nicholas cage is just a character played by an actor who's who is this like just this actor who has a lot of movies but like they lean into it and it's like they they deal with you know his stardom and the movies he's made and there's there's some fictionalized stuff in there for sure you know i'm sure there's stuff in there that that uh, is not are the movies they re- reference in it fiction movie like are they fictional movies for the fictional nicolas cage or are they do they reference like real movies that he's actually done no it's it's all his real films like they 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 make up very little i think like some of the some of the like the acting gigs he's trying to get are for made up films um but they reference like you know con air and and uh you know face off and a lot of the other stuff too and and like it turns out Pedro Pascal's character is very much a fa- obviously a huge fan of Nicolas Cage. I mean, paying him a million dollars to come to his birthday party. So like, there's a there's a lot to it there too. So if you are a Nicolas Cage fan, like there are those those hints and nods uh, to his past work, and and it works really well. But I mean, maybe I take it back a bit. Like it would be it it you're really gonna enjoy this film if you know who Nicolas Cage is and you have like an idea of his past work because they do a really good job at making those references and having fun with it. Um, and you'll love this. I think like, you know, you have, uh, you have two actors that were in, um, the after party, Tiffany Haddish and, uh, the guy who was, who, uh, all I can think of is his chapter in that, in that TV show was he was the, he was the action film dude, the dad who, who, uh, Right. I think his first I think the actor's first name is Ike, but I can't remember his last name. Yeah, but you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So he's in it. Uh yes. It's funny, I remember the actor's first name, but I don't remember his character's name in the after party, but I know exactly who you mean. So anyways, there's a lot of uh great talent in the film and, and it's worth it. Uh, on you have to rent it, it's not streaming anywhere, but um it's it's worth the six bucks. It's a great watch. I think you and and uh, Jess would really enjoy it. it it's a great uh, movie night in. So check it out for sure. Yeah, no, that's a good uh, uh, that's a good recommendation. I mean, like it it is tough because even with your recommendation, I'm just like in my brain, I'm like, well, it's got to be coming to streaming soon, right? Then yes. I'll, I'll watch it then. You know, like it's like the so I I'm just gonna like bump up a topic here that or like it was it was one that i wanted to talk about it's one that i've talked about a little bit with you in message form but it's really something that's been kind of sitting on my brain as i go into this vacation period and it, it i realized that my brain is sort, sort of being rewired by some of these subscription services um and that's why i i you know it's been difficult for me to choose a video game for my vacation. Like a lot of people like to have a book, you know, a beach read or something like that. Uh, or I'd like to have a game that I'm going to, you know, dedicate time to on vacation. And honestly, I often like role-playing games for this because it's like, you know, role-playing games, you get invested in the story, the characters and all of this. It's best to play them not like where you're pulled away and you can only play them once or twice a week. Like you want to play them, uh, you know, fairly regularly. So 
And I'm going to travel. So I'm going to be away the next couple of weeks. So I thought about the Switch, right? I don't have a Steam Deck. I was like, Switch would be ideal. Um, and this new, like as if from up high, this new AAA JRPG, Japanese role-playing game, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 came out um, last week as if to be like, Crofton, we are we are the answer to your question. You wanted an R R RPG for the Switch? Here it is, you know? And... Uh, and then, then I started getting into my own head about it because there's a lot of there's a lot of things, Ryan, uh, about it that, that came up. First off, is it had the number three in the title, so it, I have not played Xenoblade Chronicles two nor one. So I figured, well, you know what? Maybe I'll jump into the first one. But then I looked, and it was the same price, eighty dollars Canadian, and I was like, well, I can't justify eighty bucks Canadian on some game that uh, is years old and that the third one is out and it's the same price. I could just buy that. A lot of, a lot of folks have said in reviews and other things, you know, you don't need to play the first two. Like the, this game is self-sufficient. Yes. There's Easter eggs or different things, but you could just play this one. So I, I, you know, I started thinking about that and I was like, okay, well maybe I should, I should just shell out. But then it's like, I started looking at these games on Game Pass, and I have Game Pass. I can just install these games, these giant JRPGs um, that I can play at home, but I can't take on the road, obviously. Um, and I started thinking, like to myself, I started thinking to myself, well, like how how is it that like I have all these games, I have all of these games that have better graphics because they're on the, the the more powerful console. Why would I shell out eighty dollars Canadian to buy this? RPG uh, on the Switch, it, 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 the the streaming service in a way rewired my brain to to see the eighty dollars as an egregious amount of money. Now, if I knew I absolutely wanted that game, like if it was like I had been looking forward to it and I was desperate to play it, then that would be a no brainer. But this wasn't the case. This was like an you know be an impulse purchase type um, type thing in the game. Uh, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And then layered on top of this, and I'll let you jump in in a second with your thoughts. Layered on top of this, there was the there was the um, the nature of this type of game, which is like very anime heavy RPG um, that is like you know crazy world mix of sci fi and fantasy and all of this with crazy anime tropes. And I used to love this stuff growing up, especially on the Super Nintendo and even PS1 era. Like these were the big things that really resonated with me. And I still kind of feel like they are aimed at that teen audience. Like, um, and, uh, and I just find like, it's harder to hook me on those. Now, when I get into them, I really do. I really enjoy them, but it's just hard for me to, to jump in. It was the same conversation we had with Tales of Arise last year. But yet there's a part of me that really wants that experience. You know that quintessential RPG experience, specifically JRPGs, I think of this a lot, where you're traveling the world and you're going town to town and you come to a new town and it's a new, like, it's the ice town and everybody is like, and, and you meet new characters and there's subquests and all of that. And you have that sort of feeling of travel as you go. Um, Skies of Arcadia was one that I really loved in, in on the Dreamcast for this. It had different islands and you could you know you would go to recently Gwen and I have been playing Ninu Kuni on the PS3 uh PS3 rather it's a PS3 game we're playing it on the PS4 um 
and uh, and it has that same sort of kind of mechanic as well. And I kind of want I want that feeling of like traveling with a party of folks and like all of that exploring different worlds, but without the cringe. And like I'm not sure what I'm willing to pay for it anymore because my brain is broken. So um, all told, like where I'm at right now. And I welcome your feedback and listener feedback as well. I'm clearly overthinking this, but um, but uh, I I reinstalled Fire Emblem: The Three Houses, which I you had I think made the suggestion to me on, and um, I I just I just had I've I bought it a couple of years ago as a vacation game, like I bought it, but in in that game is like you know it's a strategy rpg and all of this it's it's i i already am sort of familiar it does have a hel- healthy level of anime-ness for sure but it has um it has these three houses and you choose which one you want to play as and then the game is going to be very different depending on the house that you choose i only played through one of them because man it's super long and then I, you know, I had a good time with it and I shelved the game, right? But then I, I so I reinstalled it. I was like, maybe I should start with this. And um, there's all these pop-ups because I hadn't played it for so long. Now we've introduced this mode or this thing or whatever. And so I started uh, kind of like a new game plus in, uh, and I chose a different house. I haven't played that long and I haven't decided for sure that this will be my vacation game. But man, it felt like a, I had forgotten a lot. And it felt like kind of a refreshing experience. So maybe that's the solution. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I find interesting about the whole thing, Ryan, is just the idea that that like I want this thing. It's a vacation game. I want I I I have these things that that potentially would hit all boxes, but I don't want to commit the eighty dollars plus Canadian to try something. Um, because I'm used to being spoiled by Game Pass where I can just either download stuff and try it or whatever, whatever, whatever. And I know some games have demos on Twitch and you can try them. But like in the case of Tales for Rise, we talked about that. And I essentially, like you yourself said that that demo doesn't represent the game that well. But yet it's put me off the entire game, you know. So it, 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 is, a, it is a slippery slope. So all of these things going around in, in my brain and it makes me just realize um, – that that in the world of subscription service, it's getting harder and harder, and the, the inflation and prices going up, it's getting harder and harder to get new people on board games. Because like I have a genuine interest in trying this Xenoblade Chronicles 3 game, but I'm not willing to shell out the money. You know, like it's just it's it's strange. It's strange, and I recognize that that all these things are connected and it's the way that I think about value for money now. And it's the way that I think about games in particular. It's the same with movies. We talked about the Nicolas Cage movie. And my, my first thing to you was like, well, what you bought this movie, you have all these movies on your streaming service, you know? And uh, you're like, yeah, but I wanted to watch this one. (laughs) Right. So, which, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, um, I think that for me, when it comes to uh, like what I what I pick up, what I play, and I mean removing the gamers in from the equation, I know it's tough because like again, like trying to play something new or, or have something fresh to talk about each week, like it does require checking in on on new games uh, every once in a while. But for the most part, like if if I wasn't interested in Xenoblade Chronicles three, I wouldn't have paid the eighty plus dollars. And I think that's the biggest difference is like when I make a recommendation to you for vacation, it sounds like you're traveling. 
sounds like the only handheld you have is the Switch. And, I mean, by all means, if you're going to enjoy another playthrough of Fire Emblem Three Houses, like, go with that one. I mean, honestly, it's a solid, it's solid RPG, great gameplay, it's turn-based, uh, it, 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 it just, it checks a lot of boxes. Um, and you're familiar with the game already, because you've played already one route, it's been long enough that if you're going to jump back in and do a whole other route, um, you're probably going to be like, oh, I, you know, I remember the gameplay, but I'm not quite feeling like I've done this before. I think the struggle with Three Houses, and this is a solid criticism, is that like you have to play through that entire part one again. And no matter which route you choose, it's very similar. Um, you're, I remember when I played my second playthrough, uh, we did it as part of a, a game club for um, another podcast I do. And, and it was just, it was, that part one was tough. Um, it was not, I really, it was, it was like, oh, I remember doing this. And I remember this is going to take a good chunk of time. Once you get into part two, though, it's all different stuff. It feels very fresh. That's great. But there is that lead up time. And if you are choosing it as your vacation game, you might just get through part one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, one thing, though, I will say, Ryan, is is that because it's been like I bought it at launch. Like, I don't know when it launched, but it was at least two years ago. If not it's, more. Yeah, it's been two years. And so so I don't remember like I remember some of the broad beats of of part one, but but like you know not too too much. It's almost great. The thing I feel a little bad about was I elected to do the new game plus, and they the way that it's handled in this game is that like you know your teacher your teacher you can get teacher rankings, and your students can build up powers and stuff like that, and you can unlock with money, you know your teacher rankings from your previous game. So like I was an A teacher uh, and I was just like, well, I'm just going to unlock that again. So I'm automatically an A teacher again at the beginning of the game. So it's, it's, it's clearly going to make certain things um, easier and, and, you know, you have some control over the difficulty and stuff. Uh, So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, for me, I haven't played, if you had just finished the game and are like, Oh, I'm going to replay it now. And then you have to do part one all over again. That would be annoying. But give, giving it a two-year space, like one of the games I was legit thinking about, you said Switch is the only portable I have. It's not necessarily true. I have the PlayStation Vita. Um, yeah, and, okay. uh, wow. I, I, I was thinking about uh, Persona 4 Golden, which I really enjoyed when I played. I only played once, and I do think that there's a lot of, you know, it is a very long game, obviously. There's a lot of stuff that you can do differently, social links you can make differently different stuff there i was like well maybe i should maybe my vacation game should be to dig that up again like replay some of these older um older games uh and so i almost went in that direction and that would have been pretty much the same as the last time i played it which might have been like a year before three houses like uh you know it wasn't so so long ago uh whereas um like I remember Persona 4 is a mystery and I remember who the bad guy is very clearly and all of that. And, you know, there, there, there although there is a lot of stuff that, that I'm sure would come back and surprise me. And with three houses, it's doing the same. I'm like, I'm getting into it right off. I'm like, oh, you know, this is, this is good. Um, the writing is very small. I hadn't remembered that. Like I'm playing in hand. I, I played in handheld mode so far uh, and will be most of my vacation. I'm squinting. I'm like, oh, geez, this is. This is clearly designed to be played on the TV, but uh, but yeah. So all told, like I haven't 
settled in hard to my vacation game yet. I'm still flexible. I could still impulse buy Xenoblade Chronicles 3 or 1 or whatever tomorrow. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I just it, it's just interesting to me. What I found so interesting was just how my brain was working, how it was – I could feel it working. I could feel it being like, well, I have all this on Xbox Game Pass. I could play all these games now. Like I'm home this week. Like I could play all of these games. I don't need it necessarily to be on the Switch. I could get a game for the two weeks I was away um, on the Switch, make it more of like a light fare. But I really feel like an RPG and so – Anyway, it was just all these bits and pieces coming together, making me realize that um, the $80, $90, $100 price point, we talked about it last time when you were talking about the quarry. Um, it, it's just it's just a huge deterrent uh, once you get used to subscription services. And that's the thing with me. I've only to, the, to date bought one game on Xbox, um, which is, uh, which is uh, Elden Ring. And uh, since I've had the Xbox a couple of years ago, I've just been playing Game Pass games, and that's been, you know, frankly, all, all I've all I've needed. And uh, but it means that I may miss experiences. I may be, oh, you know, I'm keen on that, but I'm not willing to pay the money to try it. And in the, we're no longer in the age of rental stores, you know, like going in and renting a game, being like, will I will I like this? Uh, so um, that's how it used to work, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean. Um, yeah, here's the thing. I think that, uh, I think if you are going away, um, handheld for sure. I think when I think about when I'm like, I'm buying a game for a specific reason, or I'm, I'm picking an experience for a specific reason, I do like to have something that's new. So if, I mean, if I were in your position, I I would probably lean more to finding a new experience. Um, I, I, look, that being said, I'm really bad at going back to games, especially if I haven't um, finished them. But I think with Xenoblade Chronicles 3, it, it's always going to be 80 bucks. It's going to be 80 bucks for another year. So if you're thinking, oh, it'll go on sale three months from now, it won't. Like, that's the, that is the curse of, uh, the curse and the benefit of a Nintendo game. Like, you never feel bad that you paid full price within the launch window. Uh, unlike other games that we've, you know, you talk about subscriptions. You know, third-party titles like Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, like, I think even Elden Ring is a great example of a really solid full-price purchase because you're never going to feel that buyer's remorse. I don't even think I've seen it on sale for... I don't even think I've seen it on sale, to be honest, because I have been keeping an eye out for it. I think maybe it went up maybe 10% off at some point, but, like, really, it's held on to its value. And I think that's where, for better or worse, Nintendo products, I always joke, like, I think you'll see a game a few years after launch go down by a, to maximum 50 bucks. Like that's as low as it'll go. I know it, it's funny because I look like Nintendo products. I, I value that way, you know, and I understand the game for Nintendo products, but for it. And I understand as well that Nintendo just so happened to buy this JRPG company, you know, yep. like, and, and the, this, that by proxy, therefore Xenoblade Chronicles becomes a Nintendo game. But I do not think about it as a Nintendo game. I think about it as one of these JRPGs, uh, which you see a bunch of, right. And, and so for me, that's, that, 
you know, that's the challenge, like detaching myself from that mindset and buying into it and the Nintendo mindset. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I don't begrudge any of it. I just, for me, I just find it very interesting is all. Like, interesting that, um, A, that I may have outgrown, I may be starting to outgrow this type of game uh, in a weird way. Like, I, I, I'm not ready to talk about it yet, but I started playing uh, as Dusk Falls or uh, on, um, on Game Pass. Uh, which is clearly an adult experience aimed at adults, and then go, you know, going back to to any uh, JRPGs can be can be challenging in the context of that, you know. And and there are the games that like when you compare, like say the the Last of Us two. And I'm not saying I'm not saying everything has to be dark and depressing by any means, but just just the audience that it's going for. A lot of the JRPGs are aiming for a teen audience, as I was when I was into them, like 18, 19, 20, like that's, that's your money audience in the JRPG world. Um, and, but that's not to say like they're timeless. Anybody can play them at, at, at any age. I just find that I, you know, there's the money aspect and then there's looking at it. Like I watched the trailers for these and they're like the mechanists and the bionists and the blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they're talking about all this stuff. And anime always comes with that element of like having to buy into big ideas and big concepts. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes it's presented like, depending on the localization work, depending on so much, it's presented in a way that you can jump on and be like, I'm on board for this. Um, I feel like Fire Emblem Three Houses does that. Like it starts off, it's very medievally when it, it starts off and there is some, some fantastical stuff right from the outset, but, but it kind of grows and grows. And before you know it, you're like, holy shit, I am really full anime right now. Uh, but, uh, but the ones that start from that point, it's, it's harder. It's, I find it as, as I'm older, it's harder for me to get, get into it. And that's just me personally. It makes me kind of sad actually. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, like, um, like I think about the persona games, the persona games, they always start from a place of mundane, like you're, you're just this person in the city, you know, they may be stylized, but then something happens and then you're brought into this fantastical world. Um, and then that world, the rules of that world sort of grow and grow and stuff. But when you're thrown into it from the onset um, and I got this game, what was it uh, for the switch a few years ago? I never finished it. I dropped on it hard. What was it? The chain one. Astral, oh, Astral chain. chain. Yeah, that's super anime, yeah. Oh yeah, man, but it was also just like they threw so much out there. It was just so much stuff and um and I just, you know, I just couldn't it just couldn't hold me like because I there was no easy on ramp to it, you know. So um well, I've got a suggestion for you. Yeah, go. Oh, please do. I love it. I love it. Go. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned As Dust Falls. You mentioned I mentioned needing a handheld experience. You mentioned being a Game Pass subscriber and not wanting to spend additional money. Well, boy, do I have a suggestion for you. As Dust Falls is a very, you know, a, a laid back narrative experience where you're choosing things. There's some, you know, um, yeah, quick time events, but like they're very generous I, from what I played. Uh, why not? You, you must, you must, do you have an iPad or a tablet of some kind? Um, yes, we have an iPad and tablet. Okay, so what I would suggest is because you have Game Pass Ultimate is uh, do some xCloud gaming, you know, Xbox cloud gaming and just play As Dust Falls. You know, you can play with Jess. You can make a make a, a fun habit of it. 
so for, first off, I, I take umbrage with your it's a laid back game because I'm okay. so well, it's stressed. got some story. I have <laughs> like, I've got like my heart in my chest, like, and we can talk about it more next week, but like, I'm like, Holy crap. So that, but, but I will say that, um, that, that like, I don't understand, I guess if I'm glamping in the middle of nowhere, how, like, how is it that I do the X cloud stuff? You like, need, is it- yeah, you need Wi-Fi. So if you don't have Wi-Fi, then that, that option doesn't And then work. if I have hotel shit Wi-Fi or whatever, like in the places that, like, I mean, it's just, I think that for, for the purposes of traveling everywhere in multiple places and not having any sort of, um, you know, anyway, I, here's my suggestion I, then I, buy Xenoblade Chronicles three and just stop complaining about Wi-Fi. I don't know. I know. I know. Now you sound like my wife. Now I'm yes. podcasting with my wife. Why don't you just buy it? And I'm just like, oh, because what if I hate it? Well, then it wasn't worth it. And buy like, it I physical. Know. And if you hate it, I'm pretty sure like there are options to get some of your value back, if not all I've of it. never sold a game before. It's maybe, very easy. Try It, it takes, I mean. You go in, they give you money. You're like, oh, I see. You know what, though, Ryan? That's not that's not a, a, crazy, a crazy thing. I do think I'm in it on fire emblem we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes i I want to uh you know i feel like i enjoyed this game the first time um you know now it's a new cast of characters it's a new thing it's like it's made to be played multiple times and i just never did because that's not my jam but 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 we we will see i honestly like i have to determine in my mind do i want to play this more do i want to buy a whole new thing more right so uh but but it I wanted to bring it up, not because I wanted necessarily you to solve all my problems, although I appreciate when you do. I it was mostly just is is um, a think piece with regards to like the aging dad who is getting up there and starting to rethink his like gaming choices, as well as some you know the financial investment that now comes with games in a post rental world where you. Where, where you have these streaming services that make you rethink the value of them, you know? I Like, when when a game comes up for sale, like, sometimes Microsoft will be like, this game's Halo Infinite's on sale on the store. And I'm like, why would I ever buy that? I'm like, because I have Game Pass. But at one point, if I no longer have Game Pass, I also no longer have Halo Infinite. But if I bought it, then I would have it. But in my brain, that makes no sense because I have it now. It's just funny the way that these things work on your brain. Um, and part of me is like wondering if like when game pass runs out next year, I should just like go cold Turkey for a while and like actively choose the games I most want to play and, and see if I get, get back to that and see if that changes things. But um, because it does kind of make me feel shitty that I'm just like, well, I'm going to pass on this. And there is the buzz of it all, right? Everybody's it's, we're in a game starved year. There hasn't been much since Elden ring, People are just like I, – I I just listened to a podcast where they talked about Xenoblade Chronicles the, the whole time. I guarantee you that the three people who were talking about it would not have been talking about it had there been any other game to play. But they were talking about it because it's the big release right now. There's nothing else, right? So that definitely, you know, as, as, a, as hype is around us and that has an impact as well, just so happens that I want to play a, a role-playing game and it all fits in there. So, Ryan – like just before we move on on this and, and go to 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 you, just a question for you. Like you are playing Xeno, you have played Xenoblade Chronicles three, or you are playing it? No, I'm just okay. joking. Yes, I am playing. <laughs> yeah. Do Do you like it? Yeah. No, I'm I'm really enjoying. I mean, like, here's the thing. I 
Um, I played a bit of Xenoblade Chronicles when it came out on the Wii. I dropped it pretty quick. Uh, I played a bit of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the Switch at launch. I dropped it, but I came back and finished it and really enjoyed it. Um, and I think that experience has really led me with Xenoblade Chronicles 3 to be like, you know, enjoying it right off the bat. It It is a it is a slow start JRPG, a lot of tutorials, a lot of like slowly ramping up. But I think um, from just the characters and being back in that world, not necessarily the same characters, but but back in that like, you know, look and feel and universe of Xenoblade Chronicles, I am really enjoying it. Um, but like I said, it's a slow start. Like the first few hours are like, oh, gosh, what? What's going on here? It's it, it almost comes off as a little bit stale as they're setting up the story, but again, it does get going right. Like I can I can picture the Twitter DMs from you as you're playing the first few hours of like Ryan. I don't know, eighty dollars, <laughs> you know. And, but once it gets going, like most JRPGs, like they they all start slow because they gotta like you know they gotta get it started. But I am enjoying it for the most you know. I am. It is funny because you, um, like when it came out for the Wii, it was, I think, a GameStop exclusive or something yeah. weird like that. And uh, so I never I never got it. It ramped up in price pretty quick, like if you wanted it. And it was old graphics at that time. Like there were better consoles and like it was the Wii, obviously. But I ended up getting the uh, 3DS version of Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, and it only ran on the new 3DS which I, you know, I had bought and I had, I, I was right in the mindset I'm, I am now. I needed a portable console for vacation, wanted to play a role-playing game, the whole nine yards, exact same thing. And I played and I got, you know, decently far in it, but it's clearly not made to be played on the new 3DS. And like, you know, definite visual downgrade, all this sort of stuff. This is the first one in the series. So I, you know, I got, I got like a little ways into it, but not enough that I was like, wow, this thing is the best thing since sliced bread or that made me want to continue. Although honestly, if Nintendo was like Xenoblade Chronicles uh, 1 in the, is, is $20 in to incite people to want to try the other ones, I would be buying that. I would be in right now. I, I think that if they're going to own a JRPG studio, they need to start thinking about onboarding people. Uh, and you're not going to like have people jump in up just cold to Xenoblade Chronicles 3 most of the time, um, you know, uh, without any sort of prior prior knowledge of what they're stepping into. You might, but like at, at that price point, it's, it's, it's less and less likely. But on the other hand, if, if you get me playing the first one and I'm like, oh, this is really good. I can't wait for the next one. Well, may, maybe then. Right. So. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, and uh, we'll see. One thing, there's a little to-be-continued element here because who knows what Crofton will do. And then the next time we record the show, which is going to be delayed because of vacations and stuff, I think, I'll come back and maybe I'll have some like, oh, Ryan, I finished Xenoblade Chronicles 3. You know, who knows? Yeah, it's it's uh, partly why I didn't include it in the notes because I am playing it. I'm still very early on, but I uh, I don't know. I just... I anticipate you. I'm actually not too sure. It's a 50-50 toss-up whether you you stick with Fire Emblem or you go with Xenoblade. But I, I, I can see where Jess is coming from in that you should just stop trying to weigh your options, buy the game, enjoy it for your vacation. I think starting something fresh and new while you're uh, you know out and about it, it can be um, it can be a nice experience. 
Yeah, I it's also like the, the switch of it all that I play these games on this tiny screen. You know, they're supposed to be these epic adventures, but but it it is it is what it is. That's what the switch is good for. Uh speaking of actually I can't make this transition work, Ryan. Um <laughs> You tried. <laughs> you're yeah, I tried. You're next. Yes. Well, here's the thing. I mean, keeping with the gaming uh, discussion, and I and I did include this in here specifically because I know Crofton, you're a, you love VR. We talked about VR chat uh, last episode. Uh, if you're a listener of Core, uh, Scott Johnson's Core Gaming podcast, they you know Bo, your friend Bo, we've mentioned Bo now. Uh, his his chats about VR chat, I, like I still. I find it very interesting, but I, I don't, I'm not sure I want to go anywhere near it, um, which is which is fine. But I do enjoy. That's fair. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Um, but all those chats about virtual reality is like, you know what? I have the full Quest Two uh, setup with like the uh, the head strap and everything that makes it a lot more comfortable. Um, I you know I should get back into this, and I I just so happen to receive a a review code for Moss Book Two. Um, and I've been playing, playing that. And honestly, it, it made me think, oh, you know what? I should, I should really go experience or finish Moss book one as well. Uh, it, you know, it turns out that is a very direct continuation, uh, you know, book one and book two, but, uh, yeah, I've been playing, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, well, not lately, but you know, a week ago I was playing a lot of, uh, quest two and I, you know, I was just kind of checking in on all the tech and I know we've talked about virtual reality in the past. And uh, it's it's a bit of a bummer though because you know now's kind of a weird time to recommend buying a Quest Two because they just went up in price <laughs> um, by over a hundred dollars uh, Canadian for both models um, and a kind of a weird move by Meta to be like isn't that wonky? It's so wonky. I've I mean we we chatted about it on the Gamers Inn. And I think it's it's very odd in that I get like they were selling them at a loss. From the beginning, this is two-year-old tech, but to increase the price by a hundred bucks and say basically like, "Hey, you know, rising costs, uh, we're not making enough money in in the like the, to make that decision, it can almost come off as like, man, they really thought about this and they they had to do it, or it's like this is a bonehead decision." And I mean, it's it, it'll be tough to see whether it works out or not. I don't. I mean, it's still the least expensive VR headset out there, but. Um, and it's also like they they barely smoke screened it. They added Beat Saber to the package, so the idea here is that you're like, oh yeah, they've added something for a, you're a hundred bucks. But the re- the reason here is is they're just looking to make more money. Really, is what it comes down to, and it it's just very strange because you know it's been a couple of years. Like you'd think that maybe an Oculus Quest three would be on the horizon, but I've I've heard recent sales numbers that they're like. They've sold more than the Wii U, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, uh, copies when you consider the Wii U is a colossal failure as a home console. But for a VR headset, that's insane. Like, real, like it's outsold a major console. One headset, like not all of the headsets, like this particular one. It's becoming like the major headset that people have. And so maybe they've done the math and they've just been like, look, the people that know that we're doing this are going to be pissed, but they either have the headsets already or they're going to rush to buy them because they announced it in a weird way where they're like, yeah, we're going to jack it up next month. And so like you, you could still run out or order or whatever. And, And then, and then maybe those folks will be disgruntled, but then, 
anybody else, like any mom and pop who wants to try VR moving forward, this cheapest option, as you say, is still is still the quest too. They they just be they wouldn't know anything about this price up thing. They'd just be like, oh, I want to try this. What's the cheapest one? Oh, it's this one. Okay, I'll get this one. So I, I wonder if they just strategically are like, you know, this is not really going to harm us that much in terms of reputation. It's going to harm us with the people that know, but they either already have it or will buy it. And and then and then for the people who don't know, we'll start making more money off them. I I'm I'm just I'm very very curious because it is, I've never seen anything like this where they up the price of a console and like the Wii, um, you couldn't get a Wii to save your goddamn life. You know, if I was Nintendo when the Wii Fury was was hitting, I'd be like, oh yeah, uh, this is now 150 bucks more expensive. <laughs> you know, like you would have made a ton more money. Same thing with like the Switch or whatever. But they don't do that. That's like corporate suicide you know or but meta is like whatever we don't care then you know one strand of our business yeah, well exactly i mean you're talking about the company behind facebook like you know they they have bad press all the time and i think the price increase like on paper to them makes sense uh and and i never really thought about it that way in that like you're right like the people who are angry are the people who are super interested in like if they were going to buy a quest 2 they would have already had one by now because it's like if they're interested in VR, like that's the headset to buy. And for the most part, like having checked in on the tech, like every, you know, you know, every six months to see what's on offer outside of just playing the games that, that I have on it, it's come a long way. Like you could almost, you could almost look at, at the quest too, is like, it's been in early access for two years as they, you know, improve upon the software and, and the tech, like they've added Oculus link and Oculus air link, which that's how I played uh, Moss Book One. Um, I have it on Steam, so I'm playing it through Steam VR, and I tested it with Oculus Link, which is the uh, direct cable uh, to your PC, uh, or Oculus Air Link, which is basically pairing your computer with your headset and doing it wirelessly. And you know, granted, with Moss Book One, I did not notice a difference between being linked or you know doing it over Wi-Fi. That is a game that works very well in that setup because it is like a um, it's sort of like a diorama game where you are controlling a character within a diorama and you're controlling you're like sort of a a viewer of the action. Right. So it's a very like you're in a standstill position. Yeah. Like it worked really well. So I thought, OK, well, let's throw something a little heavier at this. Like, let's see what happens when I play an action game. I have Half-Life Alex on Steam VR as well. So I tried that with Oculus Airlink and it also worked really well. Like the tech is it, it was in beta for a while and it's kind of it's now part of the official Oculus app and it works <laughs> surprisingly uh, well. Um, now I am following all the instructions of like basically be in the same room as your your router, uh, you know, make sure your computer is hooked up via Ethernet, make sure you have a, you know, a, a five gigahertz uh, Wi-Fi connection and so I checked all those boxes and sure enough, like it worked really well. I didn't notice any perceivable issues with either Half-Life Alex, which is a very action uh, oriented game um, and and with Moss Book One. So I was really, was really impressed with with the way that tech has sort of come because, I mean, wireless VR is the future. You know, um, I know with PlayStation VR 2, like they are sticking with a corded experience. And I think that is like, it, like meta has kind of made that a non-starter for me at least 
Um, so yeah, I don't, like, I don't know if you've experimented at all with the, the, the air link stuff. No, I haven't. And you know, I've been like, uh, I should have with that VR um, chat when I did it with Bo, but I, I've been out of the VR game lately, which is funny because I now have the elite strap. I, I think during vacation, I may, I may boot up like resident evil four now has the mercer mercenaries mode added, which I, I haven't checked. Um, but there's uh and there's some other, there's other, some other things, the Moss games I missed. Uh, you make them sound like they do sound like kind of chill. It's funny because one uh, fundamental disagreement that Bo and I have with BR is he's a sitter, um, which to be fair, I think that if you're going to be playing VR for any length of time, it makes sort of sense to sit. Um, like if you, you know, Bo has probably put me way, way more hours in it than I have. But like I, I miss like when I'm playing VR, if I'm playing a game like Resident Evil 4, Half-Life Alex, even VR chat, Bo's like, oh, put it in sitting mode. But your character's going around walking. So it just feels weird to be seating. And I like the feeling of like crouching down and then your view gets lower and all of this. And so he's a big sitter. I'm, I'm, I'm a stander, which means, you know, your legs get tired and stuff like that. So, uh, but a game like Moss, I could see playing, uh, playing seated and definitely the air link. I meant as soon as I get back on the, on, on VR and start playing more, I'm going to, I'm going to try it again. I have the big long steam link cable and I know it shouldn't make that much of a difference, but I kind of feel that it does. And I also was having a problem with like this elite strap has an extra battery. Uh, and one thing I will say, Ryan, and I don't know if this is just me, maybe, but I, I don't think it is, is that the, 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 the Oculus Quest um, does not uses battery faster than you charge it. Like if you have your your strap, your your um your elite cable, whatever your cable connected to your computer, yes, it's charging slightly, but you're using more battery playing than it's charging. So eventually, it runs out of battery, even if it's plugged in. Like which is really frustrating. Like you can only play it for a certain amount of time. Now I have the battery, but for the battery to work, you need to plug it in. And like the elite, the, the cable that connects to my computer goes in the same spot as the battery. So I can only have one or the other connected. Uh, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not sure if I'm doing it properly or whatever. So it means that if I'm, if I'm connected to the computer without the air link, I have to, I I'm doing without that extra battery. Uh, and so, uh, so to start using the air link, it would get me that, that full battery in the back and that would be way better. So I'm going to try to figure it out as soon as I get back into the VR space. Yeah. Um, I, I have noticed that too, with the, uh, elite strap, like you can't have the battery connected when you're using the link cable and depending on your USB setup, um, they do say that it should be just enough power to keep your Oculus running uh, as long as it's connected. And you're right, like depending, I'm sure depending on the experience you're playing, if it's taxing, um, you know, the the headset or your computer is struggling to to provide enough power to the headset, you might eventually run a negative there on, on the power draw. So like, yeah, that's, that's something, but I think like that's where the air link comes in handy is that you might actually, like if you find your headset is dying with, with the actual link cable, you might find that with, you being able to use the extended battery, I find that that extended battery is going to last you longer than 
any sort of session in VR. And I, and I think that's where for me with VR, where I struggle is because I wear glasses. I only play when I have my contacts in. So there are very specific windows where I am comfortable playing VR. And uh, like Bo, I am a sitter as well. I, I, most of Half-Life Alex I played standing. Um, but when I was doing this testing with the air link and stuff, I was uh, playing sitting and I was actually surprised how well it worked. Um, you bastard. I know. But here's the thing. Like my VR stomach is not as uh, great. Uh, at, like even playing Half-Life Alex sitting, I did have this like weird nauseous feeling uh, about after an hour or so of, of playing it. And I was like, oh, OK, that's not a fun feeling but like that's where moss uh book one and two come in very handy because like again they're a really great first vr experience because they they offer you that immersion without the nausea (laughs) so if you find you do get you know a little seasick or vr sick when you're playing i didn't experience any of that in moss because again you are in control of the camera uh, and and you are kind of like moving the camera around a diorama as you control the main character Quill, and it is also very much like a Zelda esque experience where you are running around using a sword to defeat enemies, uh, while also solving puzzles that are very much uh, in tune with the VR type of puzzles, like moving blocks with your, you know, your your the touch controllers so that Quill can you know run around and jump uh, across platforms. Uh, you're interacting with enemies with the touch controllers as well. So like it works, it works really well as like a VR experience. Now, mind you, if you're like only playing VR experiences where you're like full motion, you might actually find uh, the Moss games to be a bit, you know, a bit boring, frankly. But again, like for me, I really enjoy them because I love that Zelda experience. And I do enjoy that immersive sort of like, you know, putting myself in the game. And that's very much what it feels like. It's, it's, it is you, you are controlling the camera. You are positioning the camera as you control Quill while also interacting with the environment. And, uh, it feels really great. They're they're shorter experiences too. They're about four to five hours each. Um, which I find is like, is a really good length for a VR experience. Like it doesn't overstay its welcome you feel like you get in, you you can do it in small chunks, get in there and get out and and feel like you've accomplished something. And yeah, like I I really enjoyed it. And to be able to experiment with both uh, and and Moss Book 2, I'm playing native on the quest. Um, so I kind of I got to experience all of it within like the same realm of like link cable, air link and and, uh, you know, native on the quest too, And it worked it worked really well. Like I, uh, I enjoyed the experience and, um, you know, I, I think, uh, when you think of virtual reality, it is essentially, you're buying a new console, you're buying new games. Um, but I just love that they, you know, meta has embraced the ability to, uh, play your steam VR games through Airlink. Like it kind of unlocks the potential of the device because no longer you're like, Oh, I gotta be tethered to the computer or I have to, you know, figure out how I'm going to run this steam game on my, on my headset. Like it just worked. So, yeah, yeah. I guess for me, for me, what, what's difficult is that my PC is just, it is very good for like PlayStation four era games, but not much later. And when you, when you like even half-life Alex um, or, or running stuff through steam, 
it, it, it becomes like, like, <laughs> it's just so unwieldy. Like I, I put on my headset and then I'm in the Oculus Quest store or the Oculus Quest base. And then I have to Steam link and then I Steam link and I join the Oculus space on my computer, which is different than the Oculus Quest 2 space. They both have homes, but they look different. They both have interfaces, but they look different. And then I got to run. Now Now I'm on my my home store. Now I got to run Steam VR through my Oculus Quest, my Oculus PC through my – it's like – it's like I'm looking through three different glasses or I have three different overlays. Like imagine if you can only run the Epic store through Steam and you can only run the Steam store through the Oculus launcher. That's sort of what it feels like to me. Unless I'm doing something wrong, that's how it works. Like you turn it, you know, you got to you put it on and it's in one mode, which is Oculus Quest mode. Then you've got to say, "Okay, I'm good to launch." into steam link uh, into oculus link mode or, and then it's like you're on the oculus platform and then it's like okay now i want to launch steam vr or or if you launch direct steam vr from your pc it's you're still launching all these things in the background and my pc just does not have the oomph to process all of that so like when i tried to play no man's sky which ran like a dream on my pc in vr uh it was just a slideshow you know, like, uh, and so I, I think I, I appreciate what they've done, but I feel like it could use some smoothing. Yeah, no, you're right. Like there are layers to the experience. And I think that's what's holding back VR from being like a mass uh, market appeal is that they're like the stuff that runs on the Quest 2 works great. You just put the headset on and you boot it up. It works. It's good. It feels like a natural, you know, console experience, which I think is what you need to sort of, you know, uh breakthrough and and live amongst like the the other platforms um but i think that yeah once you start to get into the weeds of like okay like this experience is on the oculus store this experience is on steam vr you have to boot into steam vr then boot it up your your steam game i think for you and i like it is something that we are comfortable and capable of but uh you know um it's tough um but for me like i just have so many experiences across and i honestly if i am going to buy something and i have a choice i'll probably get it on steam um unless unless it is i like- see i'm totally i'm the opposite for you as soon as i can eliminate one of the launchers i'm game like if i can get it in oculus quest like first off i i then want to see if i'm taking a massive graphic downgrade but like if it runs in oculus quest fine or as good or whatever then I'll get that version because that's just the best. I can put it on anywhere. I can just jump in. Don't even need to worry about anything. Then next, if that doesn't work, if I can get get it on the Oculus store, well, then then that's one less stop that I can make. And then last is Steam because then I'm like, oh, I got to boot this and boot this and boot this. Like that for me, that's the last stop, right? Uh, The only thing that incentivizes me about Steam is that is that they have sales, right? You can get some stuff for crazy, crazy cheap. But like to, yeah, anyway, like it is funny how our brains work separately. You, it should be noted, have a more powerful computer than I do. So that 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 plays into it. Um, I am going to, again, work my transition magic, Ryan, because I do want to talk about one other thing. And it's something that we will come back to, but it excites me to know that since the last time we recorded an episode, you also 
started watching uh, Only Murders in the Building season two because my wife and I started watching. And I know that we mentioned it last week when we were talking about like Abbott Elementary being the hot new thing or whatever. And then and then how Only Murders, you know, had that the good first season. But we had neither of us had watched the second season up until that point. So now I am caught up, which means as of today, I think seven episodes six episodes seven episodes and it's a 10 episode season in season one i don't know if it's the same length in season two um ryan where are you at and what are your thoughts well i i'm also caught up and i and i did mention it last episode because i had been watching it and i was kind of giving you a hard time because i knew that you were like apprehensive about there being a season two because season one kind of like felt like they they tacked on like an additional murder in the building to to kind of uh, bridge it into a new season. But I think it's been earned with this season. I I mean, I love it. I, I just don't know how you could not want more. Like, I could see if you, you a season three could be tough to handle. Like, how do they do that? But honestly, like, I'm so stoked to just be seeing Steve Martin and Martin Short just hang out and, and do the show. It's amazing. It it is it is really so season two is really, really good. I've been like so far, I've been really, really enjoying it. It's um, it is funny because maybe I came off harsh previously talking about this, but they actually like the very first scene of the entire series, um, is the see is the the end scene of the first season, and so they had it wasn't like you know they tacked on this extra thing. It was there from the onset, and they knew that they were going towards it, and um, and and I think I had sort of forgotten that. So they. This season does still feel like it's within, um, uh, you know, it's it's still within the realms of uh, the realm of believability. And they're doing the season two stuff already where they're expanding the world a little bit, like are surrounding this building that they all live in, the Arconia and the history behind it and the characters in it. And all of that is great. And the three leads are amazing, have great chemistry together and are all getting like developed even further because just with all the action last season, you know, we didn't necessarily get to know them beyond a couple of major, major beats. Um, And those beats are followed up on in the second season to the point that there's a lot in the air right now. Like they've brought back all these characters. Some of the characters that you thought had been written out of the show, potentially they're all back to the point that like I'm absolutely loving it. And my wife is as well. They've nailed their cliffhangers at the, at at the end of each, each episode. However, Ryan, I would like to say that this, because it's a mystery show and because at the core, we're trying to solve the mystery and try to put all the pieces together. And there's, they have put so much in up in the air in terms of characters, things going on, all sorts of stuff that it is absolutely possible that they they face plant the landing. Like I hope not. I really hope because if they nail the landing of season two, I, I'd be I'd go out there and say season two is better than season one, just for the natural element of things getting bigger, more complicated, more characters. But there's so much in the air that it makes me nervous. With three episodes left. Like how all of this is going to come together, um, and, and and what's there just for the sake of comedy? What's there just for the sake of uh, uh, popping the audience? What's what's larger in importance, uh, and all of that? So anyway, I'm very much on board, and I think that my wife and I like we're going away for those two weeks, and then when we come back, hopefully the remaining episodes will be ready, and we'll be able to just like binge 
the last three because that show goes down so easy. Yeah. No, you're right. It it is uh it is a show that Ashley and I always look forward to. We're watching uh weekly and we've been we can keep we've been keeping up with it. And I think you're right. There's a lot of uh there's a lot of, you know, balls in the air trying to figure out you know who the murderer is and, and other mysteries that they've kind of laid out there. Um and and I almost um well here's the thing. I almost wonder if like some of that uh maybe even just the fallout of some of those mysteries will will spill into a season three i've not looked it up i don't know if there's a season three i'm kind of afraid to to look it up at i'm this stage. sure there will be i'm sure there will be and um i i sort of feel like if there is it's kind of got to be the final season um because otherwise there's just too many murders in the building right but yeah, they um, don't want to close the building down to be honest there's just too many murders but uh um I have a theory for you, but I obviously cannot share it during the podcast. But we should take a moment after the podcast. I, I want to tell you my theory because we've been we've been playing with the evidence, what we got out there. It, it, it's often like just by looking at the making of a mystery show and all that and the characters that we've seen. And you can kind of deduce some things. Anyway, I have a theory. I want to float it by you because if I'm right then I'm going to look like a super genius, but I need somebody to know it besides my wife. So I'll tell you after. Sounds good. Okay. So uh, let us, I think Ryan, we will move down to the diapers. And um, we both talked about our respective daddy day camps. I am going to let you go first, mostly because I'm eating gummy bears right now at the same time. (laughs) And you caught me with a bunch of gummy bears in my mouth at this exact moment. But maybe you can tell me what some of the stuff you've been doing with the kids are during the vacation. Are they are they fun gummy bears or just normal gummy bears? They're like Maynard's uh, original gummies. Oh, okay. So fun gummy bears. Okay. So that's good. Um, so, so here's the thing. Like it, it has been, I feel like it's been a while since our last episode, but I think this is for the first time in a while, like we're actually on point and doing it every other week. Uh, but it has been quite busy. Like our summer, as we mentioned previously, is there's always something going on. And the only thing that's kind of like sent it off the tracks a little bit was the whole family being sick. But I, I will roll back to that. Like we did have a uh, so essentially like there are these there are these days where, you know, I'm off work. Ashley's working. Uh, and there was one day where it kind of worked out where, you know, Izzy was still in daycare. Um, because the daycare lady is, is taking some time off as well. So it, it, like Ashley took care of the schedule beautifully. Like she laid it all out. So she's like, take this day off, take these weeks off and you'll be good to go. And I did that. And one of these days was a Friday. Izzy was in daycare. Ashley was at, uh, at work and I was home with the two oldest. And I said like, you know what? It's been a while since we've been to the movies. Let's take, we only have one vehicle. Let's take mom to work. Let's go to the zoo. We have a zoo locally here. Let's go to the zoo. Let's do whatever we want there. And then in the afternoon, let's go see a movie. We haven't been to the movie since uh, Sonic 2, so it would have been in the spring. And I realized, like, the kids have never seen a 3D movie, which, again, like, you know, it's a couple bucks more. I thought, like, oh, this would be a fun treat. We'll go see a 3D movie. I haven't seen one in a long time. Is that time. not child abuse now? Uh, No. See, this is the funny uh-huh. <laughs> Like, I mean, we did go see a Minions movie, so uh, that, I guess, is not really child abuse. That's more like 
Adult abuse? Adult abuse, yeah. Like, I was thinking, you know, it's funny with 3D. Like, I remember the whole 3D thing was, uh, it was 3DS. Like, it was the screenless 3DS. It, it could mess with, you know, developing eyes. And I think, like, it is a kid's movie. Like, the Minions movie is a kid's movie. And I, I we did have this conversation, I think, in one of our uh, group chats. It's like, oh, we're going to see a 3D movie. It's like, oh, that is, I thought that wasn't good for kids. And I'm like, well... I'm, I mean, they do have kids' glasses when you go there, so I'm pretty sure it's fine. Um, so we did go see a 3D movie. We saw Minions, uh, the new Minions film. Uh, the kids really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it was one of those films, I think, where uh, I, I don't mind the Minions stuff. Like, I'll watch it once. It was it was a good film. You know, all the voice acting is really good. Like, Steve Carell's fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen a, a 3D movie, and I think... Because 3D has kind of fallen out of favor, it it didn't like. I don't think there was a difference for me. Like, I think that no, uh, they just charge you more for it. Yeah, exactly. So I, but I, and I said to the kids, like, oh, did you? Did, what did you think of the 3D? And I, I think even them were they were like struggling to be like, ah, you know. And and the thing about 3D movies, they've come a long way in that. Like, I remember when we used to see 3D movies, and and I'm not talking about like you know, your red and blue glasses. I'm, I'm talking about like the post avatar. It, I think it got in the way of the film a little bit. Like it, it diluted the colors a little bit. Like it just didn't look as, uh, as you would expect. But nowadays with 3d films, you know, it, it is the same. Like you put those glasses on and, and very much feels like this is the same film. Although there's like a little bit of 3d effect being applied. It doesn't feel like you're losing much in the experience, but I think looking back, it was fun to try. It was fun to check out. The kids enjoyed it. Uh, but I think they were just happy to be seeing a Minions movie. And uh, I, I still need to figure out a, a good way for going to the movies because, like, for the for Kate and Abigail, like, for some reason, when we're in the theater, they just have to be constantly fed snacks. Like, they're constantly wanting snacks. Like, the whole movie, they're sitting there, like Crofton's doing right now, shoving gummy bears into his mouth as we're podcasting. Just, like... <laughs> Why? Like, where is my next snack? Oh, well, here's a bowl of popcorn. Okay, perfect. But like, when am I going to get that chocolate? Those bowls are big. Yeah, well, I... There's a lot of popcorn in those things. They should be good, right? Well, see, here's the thing. I bought one combo, which should be sufficient. This is going back to the movie rental combo. I buy one bag of popcorn and I bring these little bowls in and I kind of like scoop it out and give it to them. Because again, you know what's going to happen. They're kids. You know what's going to happen. You give them their own bag... That bag's gonna end up on the floor and it's gonna be all over. I'm thinking ahead. You you drop a bowl, you're just losing like a small portion of the popcorn, right? So that's true. I here's the thing about movies, Ryan. I've actually, as part of my daddy daycare, I was thinking even today, I was like, oh, I should take them to see a movie. Um, we'd be watching a lot of movies on Disney Plus. I know I talked a bit about that last last time, but since then. We've seen a couple more, Zootopia, Wreck-It Ralph, like a couple of good Disney movies. And uh, it is it is tough because I look, I'm like, okay, so what's playing in movies? And like Clara has never seen a movie in theaters and Gwen, it's been like since Frozen 2, I think. It's been some time. So, so I'm, I'm looking and I'm like, I'm like Minions. I'm like, no, that's, I'm not going to go see that. And honestly, I'm I'm not sure that like we haven't seen. I think we saw one of the minions. We saw the minions movie, but we never saw any of the Despicable Me's. And I think it was a huge failure at the time. And like I, I think neither girls watched it to the end at home or whatever. So I was like, okay, 
not going to minions. And then, and then they have this one with Superman and Batman's dogs, mm. uh, like legend of super dogs or something. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, I, the, the reviews seem not too bad. I'm sort of teetering on that. I'm like, well, maybe that's good. But then Clara's like four. And so it's kind of like if she doesn't like it and at home, she'll watch the first like 40 minutes, which is pretty good of a movie. And then she completely will walk around and start doing stuff or other things. And in movie theater, you can't do that. Like you're, you've got to sit and watch the movie. So um, part of me is like, uh, maybe I should just wait for the week Gwen's out and hope that there's a movie that is like kid appropriate that week, you know, but it uh, doesn't seem like there's many good, like normally there's like one classic kid movie during the summer that is like, everybody's talking about like a, a toy story. I guess it was light year, right? Like, was that the, I don't yeah. know. I, I think uh, we did actually watch Lightyear on Disney. It's on Disney Plus now. Um, and I was skeptical going into it. But, but uh, you know, the kids really enjoyed it. Like, I, I think it, it had a lot going on. It's, it's fairly action-packed. And it's more of like a sci-fi sort of story. But it's, uh, I mean, you can't go, like, you can't go wrong with Chris Evans uh, voicing a character. He does a fantastic job. But... I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Like, I think that's where Abigail's still on the fence with the movie experience because she enjoys watching films, but I think she gets bored. And I think she was particularly bored with the Minions film, like because again, it, it's got a it gets old pretty quick. Like, it's got an it's got an arc that's like, okay, guys, like let, let's let's get to where we're going here. Um, and I I think the movie kind of overstays its welcome a little bit. And like the <laughs> here I am being super critical of the Minions film. Like, we all know why they make these movies. Uh, because they're, they're just, they're, they're kids love them. It's for money. Yeah. Also for money. I mean, isn't everything, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's tough. Like, I think that if you know, you're going to struggle to, to keep the youngest engaged with the movie theater experience, there are, um, there are fun ways. So we tested it out with, uh, they had, um, by no means am I suggesting you do this, but we tested it out with, uh, they had the, uh, like a Paw Patrol event, where they played basically like an extended episode, um, one of their TV movies. And it was just an excuse to get in there and, and get a, get a feel for the movie theater experience where no one cared if your kid was running around, because again, that was part of it. Like there was a, and they have them. I don't know if they have them in your neck of the woods, but here they have them. They're like, they're like kids, not kids days, but like kids showings where it is basically saying, you know, um, you pay a little bit less. You might be watching a movie, uh, that was out already or has been out for a while. And it's like, they don't bring the lights down as much. They don't turn the, the sound up as loud. And it's just more of like a, like a, like a, my first movie theater experience type setup. And that, that might be a better approach. Um, because then like if Clara has to get up and walk the aisles, uh, a, there's less people there because it is, it is an older movie or it's an experience meant for sort of just getting used to the movie theater. But it's a great excuse to just like, Oh, let's go to the films. Let's see something that maybe we've already seen before or something you've already seen before. Um, and oftentimes they will bring back films that maybe were playing months ago. Like, so you might be able to watch that DC superhero film or, or Lightyear or what, what have you. So that might be something to look into. I just want it to be a good movie. I just want them to go see a movie. They're movie in theaters and it'd be like, a, we walk out and be like, that was fun. That was a good movie. You know, I just, I that's, you know, I, I don't want to be too picky on the movie, but at the same time, it feels like it's kind of, it should be good. Um, and, 
and uh, we'll see. Uh, like, if there's not nothing good, I won't just take them to the movies to take them to the movies. One thing I did take them to see today, Ryan, we went to the Museum of Science and Technology in um, Ottawa, and that got a big upgrade, like maybe a couple of years before COVID. Um, but it was always, you know. <laughs> it was made very much so that everything is touchable and you can do all this stuff. And it's so funny because like, you know, in the era of COVID, especially early COVID, it was like, don't touch anything, germs everywhere. Like the whole place has got Purell stations up the wazoo now, uh, which is funny. But uh, but I, it, was a, it was a museum I really loved um, when I was a kid. And because I'm in the capital of our fair country of Canada, I get all the national museums. And uh, and I know this is a, a point of complaint for some old fogies. A lot of the museums are now tailor-made for children, like very much. So, you know, um, everything is sort of kid-focused and teaching kids and engaging kids and stuff. Um, and I wouldn't say all of the science and technology museum is like that, but there is a big chunk of it. And it, and uh, what they did was the one thing about science and technology is that it's ever changing, right? Like there are some historical benchmarks, like, you know, the first candid arm that was on the space shuttle and just different things like this that are, that are big, big things that will never change. But then there's, there's always new progression. So like the museum, when I was a kid, the stuff that the, I would pay money to go back in time and go to the science and tech, um, museum that i went to as a child because it would be so funny it would be like this is what the future is going to look like and it would be so off in so many ways and but there's some things that that were there like that were cool and that are still there and they they did such a good job of retrofitting and and redoing this museum so they kept some of the cool things the nostalgia fueled things from my youth um, while adding all sorts of new stuff. So it was really fun. They have this thing called the Crazy Kitchen, which was there when I was a kid. And the Crazy Kitchen what is supposed to teach you kind of about per, how how your brain can get messed up if, the, if you know, you look at an image, like the image of a room looks fine, but the floor is crooked. Your brain gets all wonky. And uh, it's like an optical uh, illusion that messes with your brain. And the crazy kitchen is set up like that. It's set up like a 1950s kitchen because that's when it was like when when it was first made. It was probably like in the 60s or something. I don't know. But they didn't – there was a big petition of like they were going to make it seem like a modern kitchen when they redid the museum. And people were like, no, it must stay the same, you know. And um, – and uh, anyway, the girls thought it was hilarious. Like they were walking through it and they all get, they got messed up. And then there's a whole kids area and all of this. So we had a really good time. It was a great, great time today. And yesterday uh, um, and sort of like every day this week, uh, practically we've gone swimming somewhere different. And, you know, my, we have neighbors that have a really quite a large pool and they were away and sent us a message being like, Hey, if you want to use our pool, go ahead. So we went, we swam in that. It was really really great there was no there was no dirt in it. it was not covered it was in ground um and uh we we really had a good uh, good time there and then we went to my mom's who lives in wakefield which is a village outside ottawa she lives on a river and we the girls love swimming in that river we swim uh we swam there and uh, uh we also went to a beach on a lake uh um in the in a provincial park nearby so we went we went there as well so we've been going around doing a lot of swimming and uh, and having a lot of fun uh, in the sun, and then today the weather wasn't great, so we had a lot of fun in the museum. But Daddy Daycare has been very tiring, but quite fun. How's it been going for you? Yeah, I mean that that 
sums it up. I mean, it, it's uh, it has been it has been tiring, but but very fun. I I think uh, for for us, like like I said, it's been pretty busy uh, the last couple of weeks, and you know, we we did have a bit of a break though. We did have uh, the the kids go to uh, my parents for uh, three or four nights. And, um, you know, the kids were, I think the kids also were looking for a change of scenery as well. Cause we've been sticking pretty close to home, you know, doing some day trips here and there. Um, but they were excited to, to go to the farm and, and hang out. Like, I think they were, uh, they were super stoked to go get the eggs. My, my parents live on a farm. Uh, my, my dad, my poor dad, he probably, I remember when we were kids, he'd always give us a hard time cause we would, we would never want to go get the eggs. Like it was a, it was a pain. It stunk. The chickens were, would constantly chase you around as you're trying to get the eggs, and sometimes they'd be they'd be still in there laying eggs, and and uh, that made it tough to to get the eggs. It's a pain in the butt. But the kids, they love it. They wanted to go. I think they had them up at he was wa- they were waking up my dad at like five thirty. Like, all right, it's time to go get the eggs. And I thought, well, be careful what you wish for, I guess. So, but they had a great time. They had a lot of fun. The only problem was <laughs> they came back and they were sick. And it was a stomach bug, and it basically hit a good majority of the whole family. I was out. Um, Isabel and, and Abigail were both out, like, just puke. Just, ugh, man, so gross. Um, it was not fun. And uh, But that basically, like, you know, like I said, our, our summer's very busy, but it essentially, like, created this, you know, hole in the schedule where you know we had these days where we we're like okay we're gonna go to the zoo we're gonna go do this like we wanted to go back to the toronto zoo but obviously all of that got uh shut down because like half the family was was very not able to travel uh or or go anywhere because we were sick so it's been a it's been a bit of a, a roller coaster and i and i think even you know a lot of parents will will relate to this like when you're sick um it can be it can be really tough because again like it, it is exhausting on a normal day, uh, not exhausting, but it can be tiring on a normal day as you're, as you're trying to entertain and just have a good time. But while you're sick, it's even tougher. And so by the end of the day, some days I was just, it took me, it took me a little longer to recover because not only was I half taking care of some sick kids, but also half taking care of, uh, you know, fully <laughs> able run around screaming kids. So it, uh, it did, it did make for a tiring few days, but I think everyone's back to normal now. Everyone's feeling a lot better and we've got, we're, you know, we're back to our normal schedule now. Uh, I was off this week. So I, as you said, I was doing daddy, daddy day camp stuff. And, you know, we went to the park. Daddy Yeah. And here's the funny thing. And, and this is, the, this is the thing that I found worked really well. It's just, it's just finding something new. And like the kids, they, they I think they just wanted to get away from the house so we went to a park, a nearby park that we would normally go to, but like they just had, it was like a school park. They refilled the the sand pits. Their sand pits were like very, very sad. Like just, you know, it wasn't really a sand pit. It was just like not grass essentially. Uh, but they put more sand in and I said to the kids like, let's go home. Let's go get our sand tools. Let's come back and let's just have a good time. And uh, the kids dug it. They had a, well, literally they had a great time. Uh, and I think again, it just comes back to a change of, uh, a change of scenery. So yeah, it's obviously there are easier days and not so, but I think that's absolutely right. Honestly, like I think it's making things special, like making things different and stuff. And I have an advantage. Like I like for, for us, my wife doesn't drive. So when she's, 
but she's kind of left in charge of the girls. Like it's, they're going to be doing stuff around here, which limits a bit. She's very good in terms of, you know, arts and crafts and stuff that they can do. But like, for me, I have that big advantage over her. And I also like, I come from Ottawa where my wife doesn't. So I have a good sense of the area. So I'm like, Oh, I could go to this museum or I could go here. I could go there. And, um, you know, it's a special thing for for them. So like for, for me tomorrow, so we were recording on Thursday night. Tomorrow's Friday. It's the last day of daddy daycare before uh, the weekend. Ryan, do you have anything lined up? This weekend? Um, Yeah. Uh, no, tomorrow. 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 Friday, daddy day, day camp. Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, well, everyone's home. So I think, uh, I think... Yeah. Oh, Ashley's Ashley's off tomorrow too. Ashley's off tomorrow. Yeah, she she modified her schedule. She's uh she's actually yeah today we did some birthday stuff because her birthday is coming up. Uh, but I think tomorrow she's getting ready to to take the two oldest camping with her family, while I uh, have a weekend with Isabel. So that's that's our current jam right now. Indeed, that'll be uh, very interesting. Uh, I I uh, I don't have a set plan for tomorrow. I, my the week was planned out pretty well. I, I I was pretty happy with it. But we are supposed to have a play date with uh, a friend of Gwen's from kindergarten. Who we we she reconnected with. She went to a day camp and she saw her and they they sort of reconnected and wanted to do a play date. We've sort of danced around it a little bit, but it's going to be tomorrow, which I'm happy for. But at the same time, it does cramp my style of like planning and activity. And like Clara will come along too. It's going to be at a park. It'll probably, they'll probably, Gwen and her friend will probably have a bunch of fun, but it'll probably be me taking, you know, taking care of Clara. And, uh, and it might not be as fun for Clara. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but uh, yeah. And then, then for me uh, next week, uh, like a uh, weekend, we're prepping for the trip and then, two weeks uh, off in, um, in the, the northern United States. And I do want to mention one thing for our listeners is that I am planning to go during this time to Fun Spot, which is the biggest arcade in the world and video game history museum. It's in New Hampshire. Um, and so, uh, you know, I feel like when I get back, I will be able to give a short review of Fun Spot. Be like, is it worth it? Should you go? Is it just fun to go to see you went, or is it fun? Fun, you know. Is it good for kids? Who knows? We'll figure it out. So I, I will. I will report back uh, on that. But I should have a bunch of fun travel stories for next time, Ryan. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to that uh, that arcade chat. Sounds cool. Uh, yes, and uh, meanwhile. I am going to, I think, do the business, Ryan. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to uh, to to throw before I I did that, or are you uh, are you sated? Well, here's the thing: before we exit, we should probably address the Spider Mans in the room. Uh, we will do a spoiler discussion of Spider Man No Way Home. Crofton's going to watch it over his vacation. I'm going to watch it over my vacation. We're going to spoil it because we wanted to rewatch it. We didn't want to go in with like eight month knowledge six month knowledge so yeah yeah no it's it's true in my case it's not even that long but i do i do want a refresher before i i talk uh spider-man no way home um so we have no listener feedback this week uh I would invite all of those who want to share their emails and thoughts to please send them in. They fuel us and we love them so much. So you can do that by uh, sending an email to dad at TGI studios.com. 
Uh, I sounded really needy there, but you know what? I am needy. You can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. There you'll find all our episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can actually find me at Croft and Steers on Twitter. You can find Ryan at R. Murphy. And the show itself has a, a Twitter handle, which will allow you to get all the latest and greatest when an episode drops at DNDcast. So that's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. We're going to be off uh, for, I guess, we're two weeks. We're going to be one week delayed. Um, but we'll have a lot of talk to talk about when we come back, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. I'm going to close it up. And you know what? And this is really going to annoy a lot of you because you can't hear it. But as soon as I close this door, just it's a virtual door. You guys can't see it. The episode will be closed. Right, but then I will tell Ryan my theory from Only Murders in the Building season two, uh, and uh, and then you won't know what that theory is. But just when I'm proven right later on, Ryan will be like, "Wow, you're so smart," and all of this, and uh, you guys will know the context for that. So here I'm closing the door. Goodbye, everybody. Ryan, do you want to say goodbye to everyone as I close the door? Goodbye, everybody. I'm leaning as you close the door. Bye. It's awkward. He's leaning over my shoulder. Very awkward. Okay, closing, closing, and goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, you literally closed something. Do you think they're gone? I think so. Sweet. Okay, here's my theory. No, I'm just kidding. Turn off the mic. Turn. No, don't turn off the mic. Turn off the. the turn off the show. All right. Flip the show switch. Turning it off.